23 of the Quick Question Podcast. My name is Gabe Ryan alongside my co-host, Mr. Matthew Shafty. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing good. We flew into, or I flew into Arizona with my family um, on Saturday. And, or Saturday, jeez. Um, <laughs> I fly out on Saturday. I flew in on Monday, and, on which Monday. was yesterday. Yeah, mm-hmm. or two days ago. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Yeah, two days ago. It's Wednesday right now. I'm, I'm already lost on time. Uh, it's been, it's been good so far. Well, how's the weather out there in Arizona? It's very warm. Very, very warm. How, how warm? Like uh, uh, seven, mid seventies. That's not that bad. That's perfect. I think it's good. Yeah. You miss you guys. Well, yeah. Haven't experienced warm. For I know. I know. I know. That's fair. Well, um, for those of you listening, Matt and I are on spring break this week, so we have some extended time to kick back and relax, which is very well needed. The last two weeks of school have been pretty crazy for both of us. Um, at the top of the show, I do want to mention, I apologize. I am super behind on posting things for podcasts. I We have a couple episodes banked that I haven't released, plus this one. Um, social media content is way behind as well. Um so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to play a little bit of catch up to try to get you guys up to speed. So apologize for that. But we are here. We're ready to rock and roll. It is the greatest time of the year. It is March. Um, I don't know as far as months are concerned and how they relate to sports. I don't know if any month just by itself can compete with March. I was thinking about this earlier. There are very few. Tell me about it. Okay, March. One, you have the NCAA tournament, the greatest spectacle in all sports. I would, hands down, this is my favorite event of the year. Um, baseball is starting up for us, baseball nerds. Um, opening day is this month. Um, you have the NFL draft. You have the combine. There are a lot of things. Well, the draft isn't until April, but the combine and trade rumors, yeah, but, yeah. deals are getting done. Um, the NBA, it's getting towards the end of the regular season. Sometimes there's big trades, big games going down. Um, but at least for college basketball, this is the most exciting time of the year or heartbreak and um, jubilation dance the tango. I heard that song. I think John Rothstein put that out somewhere on Twitter. But it is the epitome of American sports, college sports. I love every second of it. Um, just when the weather starts to get nicer, especially here in the Cincinnati area, it is such a good time. Such a good time. I'm excited. I'm jacked up. Matt, yeah. I know you are as well. Um, I, I think you forgot to mention the NHL playoffs. NHL. They're my favorite playoffs okay. Okay. other than, than like, we're talking well, yearly playoffs other than World Cup and stuff. I think NHL is my When favorite. do those start? NHL? Um, that doesn't start until like June. It, I, I swear it's June. Let me look. It's, me it's look. in the summer. Because I went to a concert this summer. And, and we stayed at a hotel and it was in the middle of the Stanley Cup finals. And I'm pretty sure the the concert was in June or July. Almost certain. 
but you can, can fact, fact check that. that. I, gotta... I am fact checking. Okay. Well, while it's gonna take way too long to fact check, but let's just get going. Okay. It's okay. Well, um... I'm gonna I'm gonna look, but. Here, I'll, I'll Google, Google it, too. I'm kind, kind of intrigued. <laughs> I want to be right. Jeez, what are um, we doing? <laughs> so the regular season ends on um, April 13th, but the Stanley Cup final begins on Thursday, June 8th. So I, I guess both of us are Stanley right. Cup final. And, yeah. The finals. So the yeah, end the final of the playoffs yes. are in June. Okay, my bad. Yes. Anyways. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I said the playoffs start in April, and you said they start in June. I'm like, well, I, I don't okay. well, <laughs> I'm a little lost here, but that's okay. Anyways, um, so the episode rundown, we're going to start with the World Baseball Classic, which is um, an event just for this year. It happens every, like, four years, I want to say. So this is a very big, at least for the baseball world, this is a very big event for popularity to get the whole world involved. Um, baseball was recently added back to the Olympics as well, so that's the other event that draws worldwide attention. Anyways, after that, we're going to get into the conference tournaments. We're going to spend a very large portion of this episode on college basketball. But starting with the World Baseball Classic, it got underway last night. Chinese Taipei and the and Panama played. Panama beat Chinese Taipei 12-5 to in the first game of the World Baseball Classic. Um Australia and Korea are set to play today, March 8th, which is a Wednesday. Panama and the Netherlands are supposed to play tonight as well. Those games are taking place in Taiwan. Um, and then for Team USA, um, this roster is ridiculous. It's, it's stupid. Um, the only thing I think that, w- that would complete it is the pitching, but obviously understand teams' hesitations to let um, their best pitchers play in an event with this high stress, um, big moments and everything, and they're just at the end or in the middle of spring training, their bodies aren't ready for that. And high stress um, situations, at least from a pitcher's perspective, no one wants their best arms to throw or get injured, obviously, because um, that could set back their major league teams as the season's getting ready to kick off. But some of the names, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, um, Trey Turner, Nolan Arenado, Tim Anderson, Pete Alonzo. This lineup is stupid. Paul Goldschmidt, um, Jeff McNeil, Cedric Mullins coming off the bench, JT Real Muto, Kyle Schwarber, Will Smith. Um, the list goes on and on. Pitching is a little bit, um, a little bit like it's a mix of young guys and old guys. Maybe some guys you haven't heard of. Miles Michaelis from the the Cardinals, Nick Martinez, Lance Lynn from the White Sox, Merrill Kelly from the Diamondbacks, which is right where Shafty's at right now. Um, pitching is a little bit, I guess, suspect as far as um, starting pitching is concerned, but it's still really solid. I don't think it's, I mean, it's not it could be a lot worse. It could be, yeah, exactly. But you're not having the Max, you're not having the Max Scherzers, the Verlanders, the. Right. Um, flamethrowers of our day. You're, yeah, exactly. You're not having the Mets and their pitching rotation. Um, Garrett Cole, even. You're, yeah. Some you're missing out on some big names, which again, understandably so. But at least for other teams that are facing this USA lineup, I don't know how you get anyone out because one through nine is just stacked. It's like you're playing MLB the Show and you're using the legacy teams, or you're using like the All Star teams, which 
my brother, brother does. That's, that's the only way he can beat me. Um, and now they now they just introduced like the um, all century teams. So it's like Babe Ruth, and you go down the list. Anyways, um, this team is crazy. I hope they make a deep run. I think pretty much with the roster that they put together, it's pretty much winner bust. Um, managed by Mark DeRosa, who is on MLB Network. He, he hosts MLB Central and does some MLB Tonight. He's a very fun guy to listen to. He played in the big leagues for a while. Um, but they kick off their first game this Saturday, March 11th. Um, they are set to face off against Great Britain at 9 p.m. on Fox, and that game is going to be taking place in Phoenix, Arizona, at Chase Field, where the Arizona Diamondbacks play. That is where their pool is to start. Um, hopefully they can make a deep run. It's about two weeks long, the whole event, so hopefully in the episode a couple weeks from now we can crown them champions um, and move on to the regular season for Major League Baseball. But that's really all I wanted to mention. Yeah, that's really all I wanted to mention. Um, and we'll keep you updated as Team USA makes the run. Um, what about uh, Ken Griffey Jr.? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, stupid. It's like uh, like you just mentioned. So managed by Mark DeRosa. Then the bench coaches uh, Jerry Manuel, Andy Pettit, who pitched for the Yankees forever. Yankee great Ken Griffey Jr. Um, you've got some. You got some dudes on um, on the bench as well. And I heard. I listened to the Chris Rose rotation from John Boy Media, and they were interviewing Mark DeRosa about managing Team USA, and he had mentioned that he was trying to get some uh, USA icons to come and speak to the team, a la Charles Barkley, um, some some guys that are spanning multiple different sports to try to fire these guys up, um, some some military veterans, some, some war generals, war heroes. So pretty cool that he's implementing all these guys into the Team USA, um, I guess, the way they're going about it the next yeah. couple of weeks, but... Um, yeah, that's, that's really, really all I wanted, wanted to mention. Do you want to flip to college basketball? I would one one thing I'd mention quickly is I think the one guy I would need to make me run through a wall is Dan Campbell, right? If he spoke, if or, or Jamal Williams, if I had one of those two guys um, speaking for Team USA, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think that team would would run through any team if they had Dan Campbell speaking to him. Yeah, I wonder how biased that is. Um, well, come on. <laughs> anyways, um, what about Zach Taylor, huh? Or the the dude that says they got to play us? Who has more entertaining press conferences? And I don't know. And all these. Things? I don't know. Dan, have you seen Jamal Williams interviews? Have you yeah, seen he's him, hilarious. Like, his his post game speeches. He'd be too goofy. He'd be too goofy. Speeches. But he's motivational. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> all right. Which conference do you want to start with? Um, so I think the, there's one conference I want to hit last and that is big 12 because it is crazy. The big 12 is crazy. We can, we can start with the big East. I, I, I think, cause we have, you know, ties to the big East yeah. being us savior kids. Um, so it's going to be fascinating. I think, I think once you get out of that first round, I, I don't think I don't think Villanova will lose to Georgetown. Um, seeing that they're finally healthy and they're playing well, 
Um, I, I don't think Seton Hall is going to lose to Nepal, although that that will probably be the most entertaining game of the bunch. Ah, no, Butler St. John's might be entertaining, but I, I, I do believe St. John's will win that one. But outside of that, once we get to that that second slate of games where we have um, uh, Providence and UConn, Seton Hall and Xavier, Villanova and, and Creighton, like those games are going to be really fun to watch and and honestly, anyone could win those games. We get to the next round where where hopefully Xavier gets past Seton Hall. I don't see him not getting past Seton Hall. They have twice this year. They'll do it again, I think. Um, they'll have to play either Villanova or Creighton, which is tough for Xavier, missing Fremantle, going against two teams that rely heavily on their bigs and do have good starting rotations. Um, on the other yeah. side, Marquette-UConn potentially – could be a, an amazing matchup. That could be the best game in all of the Big East tournament. I think the way UConn is playing right now, um, the way they handled their business against Villanova on senior day on the road, um, I there's a lot of teams that I say are scary, and one of those teams right now is UConn. UConn is built so, so well. They, they got so many pieces. Sonogo, obviously, in the middle. Good guard play. Like They also have good guys off the bench. A deep one of the deeper teams in, in the in all the big east um as like on the opposite side of the spectrum we have Creighton, who's not deep whatsoever they got a great starting five and no one else so i think even though Creighton could be scary the question mark for Creighton, or even no no disrespect to xavier at all but even like a xavier type of team is hey can they get production off the bench or can their starters stay out of foul trouble right yeah. can they play all game so we're gonna see what happens there um Personally, for me in my final, I do have UConn and a Cinderella run for Villanova all the way from Wednesday to Sunday, mm-hmm. and I have UConn winning it. I, I don't see – honestly, the way UConn is playing right now, I don't see them losing to anybody. I think they're playing so well. I think they've handled – like, as I said before, they've handled their business on the road. Um, and, I mean, UConn's not too far from New York as compared to, like, Marquette or Creighton, which are both – pretty far from new york yeah uh, so they'll have fans there uh i'm i'm gonna roll with uconn okay the Big East. i yeah. like that i mean uconn's, UConn's playing as good as any team in the country, country. They, they started off the conference season really hot and then they also ended the season really hot they had like a six seven game stretch in the middle there where things got shaky a little bit um but uconn has ranked as high as number two in the country this year they have a lot a lot of studs on that team um, Jordan Hawkins is playing really well. Sonoga is playing like an all-conference player, like expected. Um, who else is there? Andre Jackson is knocking down threes, which is scary. That is huge. It's huge. It's huge for UConn because the way to defend Andre Jackson because of the athletic specimen that he is, is to let him shoot because he's not a great three-point shooter. Um, and if you bait him into enough shots, he's going to miss probably more than he makes, but he's been making them as a recent. So if, if, he, if he makes a couple of them, you have to be out there to respect him. And if he close out on them too hard, he goes right around you and he dunks on you. Yeah. And you feel miserable. You can really recognize a guy that's built confidence in his stroke. And Andre Jackson, the transition he had from last year to this year, the confidence is just yeah. crazy. It, confidence it, is nuts total switch it's like and i bring in a michigan state guy like aj hogard where hogard is freshman year wouldn't even attempt a, a shot outside eight feet like he he knew well he knew he had it in his mind that he was gonna miss yeah and all of a sudden now he's just 
when he's open, he's shooting it, right? When he needs a clutch bucket, he's going to take it. But usually it's Tyson Walker. But AJ Hogard will do the same thing. And somehow it still surprises me that Hogard is making clutch shots, even though, hey, he's been doing it all season. He's been doing it for a year and a half, really. Yeah. So good for him. Um, I am really fascinated by Xavier. Uh, like, still very fascinated. Because missing Zach Fremantle, this team has gotten even better defensively. Yeah. Offensively, it hasn't been a major step down without Fremantle. Um, even though Fremantle is I a mean, star. Yeah. It it hasn't been that bad. Other guys have had to step up in his absence. Jack Nunji has really taken a step down. But let's see what Nunji can do with the cards he's been dealt, yeah. especially in the postseason. Because last year, when they won the NIT, guys weren't playing that bad. Nunji wasn't playing that bad. Colby Jones was putting in amazing efforts, right? Let's mm -hmm. see what we can do this postseason, yeah. right? As opposed to, or as compared to last postseason, where they did well, but it was in the NIT. Yeah. I, in my opinion, I'm, I'll am i get to Xavier in a second. I think Marquette, I know they're the one seed. They won the conference, or the regular season championship. I think Marquette's a lot more susceptible than people are giving them credit for. I agree. I think Tyler Kolick, like if you watch some of these games that they've won, like there's some ugly basketball being played. Um, they they just beat St. John's in their final game. They gave up 94 points to St. John's, which is insane. A lot. Yeah. A lot of points to a really not a good St. John's team. I shouldn't say they're terrible, but um, Marquette defensively, they're very similar to Xavier's makeup. Their offense has been awesome this year. Tyler Kolick has been the floor general every game that he's played. He's pretty much been the best player on the court. But the thing with him is he doesn't score 25 points a game. He's scoring maybe, I think he's averaging about 12 points a game, but he's getting people in spots to score. But defensively, as their offense has been really productive, their defense has really taken a step down. It's not the shock of smart teams of the past where they're playing the Havoc press, they're in your face the whole game. They're doing all the, the crazy pressure things that they would do. Same thing with, like, Xavier. Sean Miller is not known as, like, an offensive savant. He is known as a guy that plays really physical, really tough. His teams always defend at a very high level. And this team is just very different from a lot of the Arizona teams that Miller coached and even Xavier teams when he was here the first time. So for those two teams, it's can they make – the stops necessary to win. It's not do they have to hold everybody to 50 points, but can they make the plays down the stretch um, to, to win the games? And sometimes the, your lack of defense catches up with you and you don't win. Um, rebounding for Marquette is not a strong suit by any means. Xavier reba out-rebounded them by 13 in the first matchup. UConn's got incredible size with uh, Klingon, Sanogo, um, and some of their guards – rebound really really well as well um so i think marquette i don't i don't see them winning it i think uconn comes out of that side i don't think that's too hard of a take they have um as far as vegas is concerned best odds to win the tournament at plus 220 um and then on the other side villanova's playing really well since justin Moore came back he's unlocked another level for nova they've been in a lot of the games this year previous to justin moore's return but Moore has given them a little bit of a boost offensively, defensively, that senior leadership. He hasn't been 
like as consistent as I think he has been in years past, but he's making the plays down the stretch. We saw him at Xavier a few weeks ago. They pulled out the 164 to 63 where he made some some really tough, difficult shots that you really can't do anything about. That's the frustrating part with him is he shoots with an inch of space and he's going to make it. Um, so on the bottom side of the bracket, I could see Xavier coming out of it because they've beaten Villanova. They only lost to him by a point. And there is a lot of things down the stretch that Xavier, I think, could have done differently that puts them over the over the hump. Um, Creighton's playing really well. Their athletic is crap. Um, they have uh, Kalkbrenner down low who's just defensively, he just disrupts so much. And Xavier's biggest loss in the conference season was to Creighton by 17 points. And that was with Fremantle. So... I could see Xavier Creighton Villanova. It's kind of a crapshoot. It's just yep. who who plays well. Um, I don't think seeding wise, as long as Xavier wins their first game, I don't think they'll have any issues with a four seed. No. The only thing that could maybe improve their situation is if they won all the way. But I think momentum and conference tournaments is huge. I think that can kind of build towards uh, the NCAA tournament. So we'll see what team takes advantage. But even these bottom seeds like Butler plays really slow methodical just like a big 10 team we'll see if they can control the pace of one of these games and maybe get a win um DePaul's got some guard play we always talk about March it's the guards that take over um they have some guards that are are very good players that can score in bunches Primo Spears for Georgetown Matt's favorite player of all time um he's he can score with the best of them as well the Big East tournament you always get a surprise. Yeah. It, the favorites very rarely win it, except for Villanova, who's always the favorite every year. Anyways, um, besides Villanova, it's kind of up in the balance as to who's going to get it done. But yeah. very excited. It's uh, Big East Tournament's the best at MSG on FS1. Gus Johnson's back this week on College Hoops, which is huge. Um, but any more takeaways, Shafty? Uh, not really. I, th- I think we've, we've covered a lot of it. I, I would say one thing just, just before we do an analysis next week of all the tournament teams, Xavier has got, like, I think they've got to get up to that three line. I think that is priority right now because we'll get into it next week. There's a lot of mid majors, bunch yeah. of mid majors at that 13, they're a 12, 13 line, even a little, some of the 14 that could play spoiler. We'll get to that, but let's move on. Um, we're going to go to the ACC tournament, which I believe is in North Carolina. It's in Greensboro, I think. Greensboro, yeah. I think it's in Greensboro. But anyway, um, another fast – like, they're all fascinating. It's another fascinate, fascinating one. Again, I think it's a little top-heavy. I don't know what the results of yesterday's games were. I know Georgetown won. I don't know who won between Notre Dame and, and Virginia Tech. I picked Virginia Tech. I don't know if they won, but – should we fact check real quick or I am doing that. Okay. You, yeah. You go ahead. I'll just, I'll Virgi- just keep talking. Virginia tech won 67 to 64. Notre Dame Big. was leading for most of the game. What about uh Boston college and Louisville? Is it, I, I, I'm going to, BC, ass- right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, bet. I'll, I'll, I'll fact that check. That okay. Real quick. Uh, okay. yeah. 80 to 62. Oh, yeah. 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 They're yeah, they're, well, well, they're it's good that their season's over. Um, yeah, they need a rebuild, reload, whatever it is in college yeah, basketball. Exactly. They need something bad. But so let's move on. 
I'm going to mention some teams real quick that I think could make some noise. Um, so I guess the first team we'll mention, NC State, I think. They're playing really well. They got a good big man, good all-around lineup, good pieces off the bench. They're a solid team. UNC needs a couple wins. Dearly needs a couple oh, wins. Sure. So first, first they gotta they gotta play Boston College, who just who has momentum right now. And then let's say they win that, they play Virginia, right? That's a tough one. And let's say if all of that happens, I have them playing NC State in a semifinal. Those are three tough matchups. Those are three extremely difficult matchups. If they can get to the championship, I think there's no debate. They're in the tournament. Semifinal momentum, right? They could be in there. It, it just depends on how other teams do, like Michigan, um, teams like that, Rutgers. So basically, yeah. actually, we'll get to the Big Ten tournament, but um, to other teams around their spot, uh, let's, let's, I'm going to mention uh, Pitt. Pitt, one of those teams at the five who could play spoiler for teams like Duke or even Miami. Pitt's they're a good team. They'll do that. They've, yeah, they are. They're, they're solid. They're solid. Good starting five. Um, they're going to need project, pr- production off the bench, but. Jeff Cable um, won ACC Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. Duke is playing extremely well right now. They have a lot of momentum towards the end of the year. They've really just – it was shaky to start the season um, in, in, in ACC play. Non-conference was fine. ACC play was not great. But then they bounced back. They finished 14-6 and six in, in, the, in the ACC. So good good ending for them. They're going to go against Pitt, right? Not an easy matchup if Pitt beats Georgia Tech, uh, which I think they'll beat Georgia Tech. <laughs> and then we have Miami and Q's at the top. Um, I'm going Miami. Miami, to me, is the most fascinating team in the ACC. They have three spectacular guards. Um, they got guys that can produce off the bench. They're a lineup of seven or eight guys that is built to make a Final Four run. Um, they've, they've got experience. They've got everything you can ask for. And I, I have Miami going to the championship and facing NC State. I think NC State's playing their best ball they have all year. I, again, another solid lineup, and I actually picked NC State to win it. Um, okay. It's going to be a classic, hey, um, big man versus big man. And I, I think NC State's big. He's He is a bigger dude, but he can score in bunches. And again, two lineups that are, that are solid and set, ready to go for the NCAA tournament. And I think NC State makes a run towards that championship game now in the ncaa tournament i have no idea but that's my two cents on the acc right now miami and nc state i'm gonna go nc state okay i i mean you you alluded to it before duke is the scariest team in the country right now in my eyes they obviously have the track record of winning in march they've won national championships um they're playing at a very, very high level right now. And not just offensively. Their defense is um, suffocating, I think, is the, oh, correct, yeah. is the correct word. Yeah. Duke is playing defense like they they used to play in the 2010s. Like like um, John Shire, their coach, when he was there, those Duke teams were just physical. They defended like crazy. I saw a stat the other day. Um, they didn't allow more than 60 points to North Carolina in both games this year. North Carolina scored less than 60 points in both games. Last time that happened, Duke made a run and won the national championship in 2010. Um, with that defense, I we've talked about this before, guards 
guard play wins in March, but also lockdown defense. If yep. teams can defend, they can hang with anyone. It's just like in baseball. Like, you get a starting pitcher, you guys get – or if you have a uh, rotation that's pretty solid, you can hang with teams. It's really all you need. You just need enough points to win. Um, I do think the flip side works in some capacities, but that's in some ways why you haven't seen teams like Gonzaga, Arizona – these teams that have really high-level offenses win in March because they just can't hang around and defend like a Houston, like a Duke. Um, Duke, if they get any more momentum, I think they're going to make at least the Elite Eight. I think yeah, they're, they have a lot going right, right They're definitely, in my mind, I don't see many mid-major teams knocking them off. I think they're playing too connected, too well together. Virginia is a team that I feel like should have won the ACC this year, ACC, as compared to previous years, hasn't been as strong for the duration of the season as I think it usually is. I would say the ACC is probably the best conference year in, year out in college basketball, at least consistently. Yeah. When North Carolina's good, Duke's good, Virginia's really good. And then you have your Syracuses that are good every once in a while. Louisville's usually really solid. It just hasn't been as strong throughout the season. And I would have liked to see, have seen Virginia really just take the mantle because they have an experienced mm-hmm. roster. They have some good transfers that have come in. Um, obviously, they're the second seed in the ACC tournament, so they're not doing anything wrong by any means. But I would have just expected them to win maybe at a little bit of a higher pace. But yeah. my, I don't think anyone was, was expecting Miami to have the one seed coming into well, this thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, coming into the year. But we've now seen Miami grow yeah, as a team. exactly. And, again, they're playing like the best team in the ACC. It makes it, it makes perfect sense now. But coming into the year, you would have just been like, oh, Virginia's going to oh, no, run away no. with this thing. Yeah. Um, but at least on the bottom side of the bracket, I, I think Virginia beats North, NC State. It makes it to the championship game. Um, and I feel like it's going to be Virginia Duke. That's my call for um, okay. the finals. I I would like to see okay. those two battle it out and see what happens. Um, I don't know what seed or tournament seed Duke's projected to be right now, but that could really help their case bump up a few spots. Um, then Virginia just kind of solidify where they're at in the national rankings. But that's my pick for for yep. the ACC. Do you want to? I think when we talk about Miami, real quick, I'm going to mention Miami. Okay. Um, when we when we think about, we have two minutes before the recording ends, but we'll use these two minutes to just finish off with Miami. Miami, when we when we mentioned them again, they're so deep, good talented team, um, great starting five. They got, I mean, Isaiah Wong has been phenomenal all season jordan miller and nigel pack have been three of the best guards in the acc and then they got they got a a good big they're a little they're a solid small ball lineup they're not anything they're not a big lineup they're not a physical lineup but they can all hit the three really well yeah um no chad or i think it's omar omir no nor nor chad omir He's he's a good player right solid he's he's averaging a double double right now which is again he's only six seven but um, when he's playing center and he's averaging a double double against a good ACC with a bunch of good bigs, that's all you need, right? You can yeah. run that small ball lineup, and if you're getting those rebounds from from one guy, maybe a couple guys, one of their guards, you know, maybe grabs a couple rebounds. Um, Jordan Miller grabs six, right? So for a six four guard, that's 
pretty solid actually. Um, anyway, this team to me is built to win the ACC. I do not have them winning the ACC. I have, I have NC state, but um, it's one of those teams that can make the run of the championship. All right. Now moving on to right. the big 10 tournament, Matt, you want to take the lead on this I really, one? I really butchered Norchad O'Meara's name. I, I feel bad now. <laughs> Norchad O'Meara. I said Norchad Omar O'Meara. <laughs> Norchad O'Meara. I, I can't read right now. Anyway. Yes. Let's start out with a big, or let's, Move on to the Big Ten, and let's start out with that Rutgers-Michigan game. Before we get into the games that are today, I want to mention the elimination game that is Rutgers-Michigan. Mm-hmm. One of those teams is not making the tournament. One of those teams is losing tomorrow. One of those teams is getting beat by the other team. <laughs> wow. What yeah. insight. I, wow, no shit, right? <laughs> yeah, no shit. But yeah. anyway. Send your applause. It's so important because we have Michigan <laughs> – that is either a first four out or next four out team. We have, we have Rutgers. We have Rutgers who is probably a last four in team, mm-hmm. right? Rutgers has really fallen off. Michigan has all the momentum in the world right now to win this game because they're in close games, even though they're going to overtime. I think they've been to overtime in three straight games, right? And they've lost all those games. Mm-hmm. They need this one bad. They need this one to go play a Purdue team, which they played close to earlier in the year, right? Given it was in the Chrysler center, but Michigan, they they ha- they got to win this game, and so does Rutgers. If Rutgers yeah. wins, I think they might be in. Michigan has more work to do than Rutgers, right? And is it possible that Rutgers could still be in the tournament? Maybe, just depending on the rest of the country, but you don't want to take that chance. No. Rutgers got to win this game. Yeah. So it is truly a wild card elimination game, one and done game, right? This is great. It's like It's like MLB with the wild card what used to be right and i i miss that format a lot but yeah. anyway we won't get into that until we'll get into the, the mlb playoffs which are a long way down the road a long way um yeah so let's get to the games today we have wisconsin ohio state ohio state has been playing well recently they've won the last or two of their last three um wisconsin they played close to purdue they're being given credit because of their strength of schedule. They started big time play pretty well, and it's carried them to, hey, last four in maybe. If we can win this game, we'll probably be in. But I would say you need two. So they have Ohio State who's playing well right now. We're playing better than Wisconsin right now. So Wisconsin has got to win this game. And then they have Iowa after that. Iowa is playing as good as anyone in the Big Ten if they can hit their shots. Right. Yeah. We've seen games on the road where they just look like a complete mess. They can't run offense because all they do is shoot threes. They get down big and then they shoot more threes because they have to and they miss them. In other games, like recently against Indiana, Michigan State, even against Nebraska, where they were hitting threes, right? When they hit threes, everything clicks. Now, yeah. defensively, are they the strongest team in the world? No, no. by no means. No. But can they outscore opponents? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they need to continue to do that. Last year, we saw that going into the the, the Big Ten tournament last year. They were outscoring oppo- opponents towards the end of the season. Then they won the Big Ten. And then they got to the NCAA tournament. Couldn't hit a three to save their life and lost in the first round. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much... Interesting scenario for Iowa. It's pretty much Iowa basketball in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, so we've touched on three games. Let's move to Nebraska-Minnesota. Nebraska, to me, is playing, as again, as good as anyone in the Big Ten, 
right? Recently, they've been hot. Minnesota, they keep winning at the buzzer. Um, but I do believe Nebraska has a solid advantage. And I do believe they have a solid advantage in the next game, too, because Maryland can't win on the road, right? If the game is not in College Park, they can't win it. I, even if it's neutral site, I'm going Nebraska. Then Nebraska plays Indiana. That's going to be a fascinating matchup. Again, Nebraska is keeping pace with anyone if they are playing their best offense. Defensively, Nebraska's fine. Offensively, they've got to play consistent. It's yeah. kind of like Iowa, but at least they can play a little bit of defense. Um, except they have two smaller guards. So if you go down low on their guards, um, who is it? Uh, Tomanoga and uh, and Hoiberg's son. Those two guys are like pretty small. I think they're smaller than me. So yeah. that's that's small. I'm not I'm not big by any means. I'm what am I? Five eleven and a half. Tiny and a half. All right, come on, tiny. <laughs> uh interesting scenarios in the first round but one of my favorite games is illinois and penn state penn state's beaten them twice illinois they've played fine to end the year and a lot of people have illinois making a run to the big 10 championship just because of their potential Mm -hmm. right we've seen what they can do out of conference we've seen what they can do in conference they've beaten good teams like they beat ucla earlier this year did didn't they beat arizona too and they played close to arizona i can't remember if they beat them or not but two good teams played really well against them. They beat Michigan State, right? They competed with Purdue. In Purdue, what was it, a couple of days ago? On it was, I think it was on Sunday. So, interesting team, but I do believe Penn State has beaten them twice. They've beaten them pretty good twice. I think Penn State has a clear advantage in this matchup just because of the way they're playing. Recently, to get into the Big Ten tournament, to get to that 10 seed and not have to play on the first day, they've had to win a couple games in a row. And then they'd have to play Northwestern. They beat Northwestern recently, but Northwestern with Boo Booey, Boo Booey, one of the best names in all of college basketball. Um, (laughs) I know you love his name. I know you love his game. I do. (laughs) Yeah. He's a good player. And (laughs) uh, they're, again, it is in Chicago. Evanston is maybe 30 minutes away. So, could hey, have a lot of Northwestern fans. Northwestern's there. got some mo. They yeah. they have been attract like we watched the Purdue game or the end of it. Like they had they had quite a crowd there in Evanston mm-hmm. for Northwestern. People are showing up, showing out. Northwestern is hot in the yeah. streets. DePaul is not living up to any sort of expectations. So you might even have some Blue Demon fans yeah. go over and be like, "Oh, let's check this <laughs> out." Um, this is what yeah. basketball again. Is. Northwestern has been one of those teams. When when you look at TV ratings, when you look at the the, the fan attendance rate, it's very very average in most mm-hmm. years. But when this team is good, oh, it's it's so fun to watch. It's so much fun to watch oh, this for team. Sure. And Northwestern this season, no different. They came into this season expected to finish last in the Big Ten. They lost some guys to the transfer portal, and all they've done is win. Right? They've won on the road. They've won at home. They've won a neutral site. They they just keep winning. So. Northwestern is prime for a run, for a run. So the last two teams, I, I haven't mentioned Indiana, but we'll quickly touch. They got a two-headed monster, and we'll move on. <laughs> Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hutchifino. Uh Again, solid rotation, but really they need those two guys to step up and play really well to make a run. So we haven't touched on Purdue and Michigan State. I wanted to save them for last because Purdue kind of like dragging themselves into the tournament. They haven't played their best basketball. Now, 
at the top end of the bracket, they get to play teams that they've beaten other than Rutgers, but I don't think Rutgers is going to move on. But they beat Michigan. They've beaten Michigan State. They've beaten Iowa. It might hold some sort of an advantage for them, but again, they're sluggish right now. They're not yeah. hitting shots. They're guards. Braden Smith and, and Fletcher Lawyer. I almost said Foster, but Fletcher Lawyer. Mm-hmm. Not playing their best ball. They should be a deep team. They should have yeah. guys like Mason Gillis off the bench. Even then, they're not doing their best, right? My issue with I, does Purdue, it change? My issue with Purdue, and it has been for a long time, is just they have two freshmen at, at guard. And mm-hmm. the guards are the guys that are setting the table, the the floor generals or coach on the floor. They're getting everyone organized. And as good as freshman guards can be, they're still freshmen. They mm-hmm. haven't had the experience in big spots. And they have an incredible amount of pressure. Like, mm-hmm. talk about a team in the country, just like Gonzaga, that has had some rosters together that have been good enough to make it to the Final Four to win national championships and haven't gotten it done. Purdue hasn't yep. made the Final Four, at least since Matt Painter has been there. And yeah. he's had some stud teams. Yeah. Um, that Carson Edwards team. Exactly. played against that Virginia team in, what was it, 2019? Where One it seemed the- like Carson Edwards is going to get them to the Final Four and then couldn't because, again, the team wasn't the best. It just wasn't. He had he had what was his name the the big guy not Isaac Haas uh, um, oh I can't I remember his backup's name he could shoot the three Arms, he had like this Matt crazy Arms, hairdo was Matt blonde Arms. He was seven foot yeah Matt Harms yeah Matt Harms he yeah. was good he was solid right they they had a couple three point shooters um, yeah but it's just you throw two freshman guards into the middle of a situation where they're just in a pressure cooker the entire time. Mm-hmm. They're going to fall apart at some point just because they don't have the experience and the maturity so far to handle those situations. And even I'm not saying that any guard that's a junior or senior is going to thrive in that sort of situation, but I would give experience the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that. Um, but Purdue is as talented as any team in the country. They've proven that they yep. have the unicorn and Zach Eady down low, who just is different than every other player in college basketball you can't really prepare for them um you can triple team them and try to make other guys beat you which is what other teams are electing to do mm-hmm. um but still it's tough yep and we i will mention michigan state during how deep is your love okay. um but for me it, it is a it is probably a biased pick they're playing well right now i'm picking i'm I picked Michigan State to win it against Northwestern. Okay. I, again. But I'll get into reasons why later. Um, but let's let's keep cranking. Can I can these, I give you right, be- out. right before, can I give you an extremely hot take? Yeah, go ahead. Michigan makes it to the finals. Okay. Okay. No, I can see that happening because Michigan I- played well against Purdue. They beat Michigan State once and yeah, that could get. Them I, there, I watched right? them if play they, against Indiana. They, that was just a missed opportunity by them. They had every chance in the world to win that game. It goes to overtime, they don't pull it out. But they've had plenty of missed opportunities. So. Yeah, Michigan's so. playing good basketball, and we'll see if they can pull it together. I think, honestly, as much as I hate Hunter Dickinson, he's a problem down low. Yeah, and I think that's the only way they compete with Purdue. But you never know. I'm I'm going to say yeah. they get to the finals and they lose to someone. I don't really know who's coming out of the bottom half, but yeah. I don't think they win it. But I, I think, think 
Most people are picking Indiana. I like Northwestern, but most people are picking Indiana. Okay. Well, but I listen to it's it's a like state of Michigan sports podcast radio show called mm-hmm. The Huge Show. And this guy, he's like he's a big Michigan fan, but he had someone come on the show. He's I don't know if it's like an insider for Michigan basketball or but but he came on on call and he was saying like, hey, this team is playing their best basketball. They are. They're playing their best basketball that they have all season. The problem is they can't win games. They can't yeah. finish games. They get the last four minutes. It's like they go cold. I don't know what happens. And then when they're down 10 or whatever, they make a huge comeback. Right. And overtime, yeah. they can try to force it to a second overtime. Like they're they're good at keeping games interesting. Mm-hmm. They're just so bad at closing it out. And the, the same thing, both teams in the state of Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, they're good at extending and extending and extending the game. But when it comes to closing the game, both those teams have got to get better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway. We're moving on. Are we going? Yeah, we're going Pac-12. Pac-12. So, okay. Pac- yeah, Big 12 is last. That <laughs> Big 12 is crazy. But um, we will mention the Pac-12 first. And the Pac-12 at the top has some very, very interesting matchups, right? UCLA could potentially play Oregon. Oregon's a team that's trying to fight and grind its way into the into the tournament. Oregon's got to win two games, right? They've got to beat probably Washington State because Cal's terrible, and they're not going to beat Washington State, which is uh, today at 2.30 Eastern time, I think. So is it yep. going on right now? Pacific time. I, but... Wow. Or oh, okay, never mind. Maybe no. Oh, two thirty. No, it's, no, no. I'm looking. I have a screenshot. It's two thirty Eastern time, I think. I, or no, you're right. Pacific time because it's in the Pacific. I'm done. I'm gonna. Okay. Anyway, let's let's keep moving. At, at the bottom half, we have Arizona. We got Arizona State and USC. Three teams that are pretty solid. I'd I'd say pretty solid one that's really good in in Arizona. Um. That matchup between Arizona State and USC is a rematch of what happened at the, at the very end of the year where USC beat them. And Arizona State, again, has to win two games, and they could have a shot to make the tournament. Um, very similar to Oregon. Those two teams have decent resumes, but they got to win here to yeah. make it in. And I personally... I'm looking at an Arizona UCLA again. It's a straight pick, one versus two, but I don't really see any other scenario happening. Right? These two teams have played so well in conference play. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna. I don't really, I don't see anything else happening now. The winner is a tough pick. I think I'm gonna pick based on the senior leadership. Um, it is in Las Vegas, so there's not really a home court advantage, but I'm going to go UCLA to win it. I'm going to go one okay. to win it. I haven't gone a one to win it yet, so I'm going to go one to win this one. I like UCLA. Okay. Um, the Bruins, so as far as like the regular season matchups were concerned, Arizona won the first matchup by a few points. UCLA beat Arizona 82 to 73 last week, which is a huge win yeah. for UCLA. They man, I hate giving Mick Cronin any sort of credit just because he was UC's coach for a long time. He is a very good coach. And mm-hmm. um the way that he has gotten guys like Hami Haquez, Tiger Campbell, um, I forget their other guard that won defensive player of the year in the Pac 12. Oh, what's his name? Anyways, 
the way that he gets those guys to play defensively is just on another level. And I think like Sean Miller has done in some respects and Shaka Smart, I think he's adapted to a different style of offense. Mm -hmm. Like If you watch him play, they're a lot more free-flowing than Mick Cronin teams used to be in the past. Like I'm speaking from at least his experience um, when he was here at UC, like Crosstown shootout games, those games were a rock fight sometimes. And that's that was the way UC would win. But for a lot of these games, if it got into an up and down sort of game or offensive players taking over, Xavier was going to win nine times out of 10, just because UC didn't have guys that were going to isolate, take over the game, make a ton of outside shots. They've never, his UC teams were never like really highly rated three point or three point shooting teams which hurt them just the way basketball has evolved, but they shoot the ball really well. They play methodical when they need to. And Hawkes is as good as anyone at breaking down his defender, getting to the rim. And he is such an unselfish player. He creates for his teammates. He makes some really difficult shots, um, but defensively their intensity is pretty impressive. So they made the final four a couple of years ago. I could see them making a run Arizona, Defensively, they've been better, but if you shut down their big guys and make Kirk Creesa really hurt you, I think that plays into the other team's benefit. So I'll agree with you. I think UCLA takes the cake. Um, mm-hmm. Arizona doesn't have a Benedict Matherin like they did last year, just a closer on on the offensive end from a guard no. perspective. Tubelis and Balo are great, but you can't have your big guys be the closers. Like yeah. that's a formula that really doesn't work too well. Arizona is such a weird team because it seemed like, again, they have some of the best rosters that are built in college basketball over the past, at least seven, eight seasons. But when it comes down to tournament time, it's like this team just can't find it. They'll have a game in the sweet 16 or so the round much. of 32, maybe sometimes the elite eight and they just disappoint. They yeah. can't get to the third weekend, which is hey. super annoying. Because I, I think most college basketball fans, I want to see Arizona make a run. Yeah, right? I think they've been there. They've been so close and they just can't find it. It'd be good for the sport. It'd be good for the university. I want to see Arizona make a run. I think it's just it's like we mentioned with Purdue. There's so much pressure to win. Um, mm-hmm. They won a national championship in 2000 or 99 or 2000. One of those two or did Michigan 2000 State... was Michigan State. OK, yeah. never mind. Well, it was right around that time they won a national championship everything was really awesome for arizona basketball they've had really good teams miller made it to three elite eights he'd missed out on the final four a couple times as well yeah but there's just so much pressure it's i feel like it's so hard for these teams even like a duke or kentucky like you talk about your blue bloods all across the country it's really hard for these teams to play loose yeah, especially it's... when they're really highly rated. Like Kentucky made the Final Four when they were like a seven or eight seven. seed. Yeah, a seven seed, but they didn't have UConn. any. Yeah, they lost to UConn, yeah. but they didn't have anything to lose. Like there was pressure, but because they didn't have as great of a regular season, the pressure wasn't as intense, and they yeah. got to play. And I'm saying U- UConn was a seven seed that year as well. So we had a yeah, seven versus exactly seven final. So these blue blood, these blue blood teams went. They have opportunities to just play basketball and go out there with nothing to lose. Those are the teams that make the runs. Yep. And and right now I'd argue that Michigan state sitting in the position they're in, yep. they're not getting as much national attention. It's, 
it's great. It's great. Yeah. We have a an ace up our sleeve, which I'll talk about once we get to how deep is your love. Yep. But it's great. Yeah, it um, is. Anything else to mention, well, or you want to keep cranking? Let's let's just keep moving. Let's move on to the, the big 12. This is the one here. That is just it's crazy. It's so crazy because there are so many teams that have that can win this tournament. There are so many teams. It's so difficult to predict. And let me let me pull out the bracket real quick. So at the top, you have you have Baylor and Iowa State, right? Or sorry, let's let's mention the two the two games that are today. Um, we got West Virginia and Texas Tech, and then we have Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma have played good basketball at different times this season. West Virginia is projected to be in the tournament right now, but Texas Tech has been someone who's really competed against good teams in what the the Big Twelve. Um, it's it's so interesting. Today's going to be a great day of basketball for them, but tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow's gonna be even better because you could have let's just say west virginia and oklahoma state win let's just take it based off the seats right so at the top what is going on dude i don't know if that's I, my mic whatever no it's at the top fine. we have it's going okay crazy. at the top we have baylor and iowa state which is fun because both teams have been ranked cons- like consistently all season and then we have kansas and let's take the t- the, the higher seed let's take west virginia then Texas and Oklahoma State, and then Kansas State and TCU. That is a huge slate. That is a huge slate of games because all those teams that I just mentioned can make the tournament. Every single one of those teams can make the tournament. I think excluding Oklahoma and Texas Tech, the other eight teams can make the tournament, which is just something you do not hear. Eight out of ten. That's crazy. That's an, um, it's the deepest conference in the country. It's ridiculous. I think there's a changing of the guard in college basketball, in my opinion, right? The Big 12 over the last three seasons, four seasons, has been so consistently competitive as to the ACC, who is starting to lose its its top coaches, right? Top programs might take a little bit of a dip. Like, like you're not going to see UNC and, and Duke completely disappear. They're still going to be blue bloods. But this conference is so stacked, like top to bottom. Right. There are going to be some years where, where Texas Tech is still a good team. Right. They still have yeah. a good foundation. Oklahoma, you know, usually twice or three times in a decade has a good team. You remember the Buddy Heald days, the Trey Young days, like they Porter were solid Moser. then. <laughs> the Loyola uh, they, guy. Blake Griffin, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's so hard to pick a champion, right? Based off of everything you're given. It's like being asked in the spot who's if, if you have never watched basketball in your life, just NBA, let's say you've never watched NBA in your life and you're asked, okay, I'm going to give you these roster, these rosters, of these players, right? And this roster, this roster, this roster, all time greatest rosters. Um, can you tell me which one would win in a matchup? It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I've seen a lot of big 12 basketball this year. It's still so unclear, but I will give a prediction to me, the championship game. I have Kansas at the top because Kansas, even though again, they're a little bit like, like Purdue in that, you know, they've played in close games, but they find ways to win. I think Kansas is going to get through the top of the bracket. I think they're going to be probably Baylor. 
in in the in the semis. They'll they'll beat West Virginia in the quarters. Yeah. But the championship game, like at the, the bottom half of the bracket, doesn't make any sense. You have the purple matchup between Kansas State and TCU. <laughs> you have the orange matchup between Oklahoma State and Texas. And then you have two teams getting out of those matchups playing the semifinals. Like I it's it could be Texas TCU, right? And then it could be like it, this could be a one and two scenario. It could be like I don't know who's gonna get yeah. out of the bottom. It's so difficult. And I'm gonna I I I'm gonna wait to pick on that. I think the champion will end up being Kansas. I think they're playing well enough to win this whole thing, right? They lost to Texas and at the end of the year, but I don't think that's typical Kansas whatsoever. They did not play well. I, I think they'll be fine. No, the I bottom think... half. I'm gonna fill that out tonight. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do as much research as I possibly can. But that is humanly possible into all these teams, and then pick who I like. It's. I've. I don't. I don't even know. I'm clueless. I've looked at this stuff for a couple of days now, and I'm still clueless. I have no idea. <laughs> it's so difficult. I. So I had the opportunity earlier this year to watch Kansas play against UK at Rep Arena. Um, yeah. Kansas is an impressive team. And I know Kentucky they isn't are. having a Kentucky-esque season necessarily. Like, they've had some bumps in the road. But Kansas just plays at such a high level. Their, their big guys aren't, like, overwhelmingly big, but they play a lot. They play hard. Kansas mm-hmm. plays really, really hard. Dewan Harris Jr., their point guard, is just fun to watch set up the offense. He makes some ridiculous passes. Um, he made a couple hook shot, like alley oop passes to yep. to their big guy. It was just a work of art. But Kansas also has the best coach in America on the sidelines, in my opinion. I think it's really hard to debate. Bill Self hasn't been the best coach in college basketball this year, and the la- the last couple of years, I think he's solidified himself as the best. I know Shafty, you probably have very strong opinions. No, 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 no. I know in the recency, I or yeah, recency bias. It would be. Bill Self, I'd he's say, had a, he's had an incredible like, track record. Yeah, and it's it's hard to compete or to compare the guys at the top because they're all so they're yeah. such great coaches. But no, Bill Self recently. Yeah, I would say Bill yeah, Self's been probably been the best in the country, and he obviously has tournament experience. His rosters got some tournament experience. They're defending national mm-hmm. champions. I think they're gonna. They'll make it through the top half of the bracket. The bottom half, like you said, is kind of a crapshoot. Um, but can't. What about this Kansas Kansas State finals? That'd be fun. I like it. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. I like. I. It. I would love to see it. And Keontae Johnson's been awesome this season. He's he's fun to watch, man. Yeah, and Kansas State in general has been great. I might agree with you. Like I. I mean, I have nothing else to do right now because I just don't know who to pick. But I'll say it could easily change, right? And I will send you my bracket tonight. Okay. Um, I will not wait to fill out my bracket based on the games, like I against based on today's games because it's whatever. I'll pick. I won't know who's going to win. I just and then I'll just check the scores after. But um, I'll go. I'll go for now. We'll go Kansas, Kansas State t- together for now. I I don't okay. know. Okay. It's probably going mean, to change for me. But be a heck of a Kansas, first Kansas season State for now. Be a heck of a first season for Jerome Tang, um, to get to the finals of the oh, Big yeah. Twelve tournament. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 
I've watched Kansas State play a couple times. They defend really well. Having Baylor on the opposite side, I think, eases things up for them. Texas is obviously a really good team as well. Um, TCU's got some studs. They made some noise last year. They barely lost to Arizona in overtime um, last year in the NCAA tournament. So, obviously, you never know, but I'm going to go Kansas, Kansas State. But it's so odd because you have all these teams. They're just so deep. In the Pac-12. So deep. Like these even... teams you have. Go ahead. I I'm yeah. These teams where you have like Kansas, Baylor, Texas, um, Kansas State, TCU, they're they're all top six seeds. You have five teams from one conference that are sitting there that can all be top six seeds, right? Yeah. I'm not talking about the top six teams in the field. I'm talking about like the seed, the seed range, right? It's nuts. It's crazy to think about. And then just behind them, you have Oklahoma State, who could still be in the tournament. And then you have West Virginia, who's playing really well to end the season, right? Yeah. Now, I, I do believe West Virginia is above Oklahoma State at the moment. But based on seeding in the in the Big 12, Oklahoma State's higher than, than West Virginia. So yeah, I although mean, I do think if the two played, West Virginia would win, they're both teams that can still make the tournament. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's so odd. And West Virginia I, just went into Allen Fieldhouse a couple of weeks ago and lost by one to Kansas. So yeah. they can give them a run for their money. Oklahoma beat Alabama by like 30 earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, That's probably their signature win of the year. And Porter Moser's who, on. Or, who holds the record for teams to make? Is it the Big East that holds the record for amount of teams to make a tournament? Was it, uh, was it the Big East with 11? That would be 11 for 11. <laughs> that would be nuts. I, uh, I don't know who holds it. You're looking it up. Is it the Big East? I feel like it is. It's either the Big East or the Big Ten. Because the Big Ten has 14 teams. Are you are you finding it or I'm trying. Um hold on. Let me adjust my search. Cause it just gave a all-time list. If any of you are curious, the ACC has the most bids of all time with 409, followed by the Big Ten at 328. That is a huge margin. (laughs) Wow. Um, Big East East holds the record for the most teams from one conference making division one basketball tournament. The Big East sent 11. Yeah. Um, 11 of 11, right? 11 in in 2011, the cardiac Kemba year. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, um, they sent eleven teams to the NCAA tournament. That's how many teams rough. were in the, the? Was it eleven of eleven so teams? That 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 was the Big East. Where okay, so I'll read off the names. So Pitt was in there. Notre Dame oh, was in the Big right. East. Syracuse, UConn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Louisville, West Virginia, UC yeah, yeah, was in yeah, the Big yeah. East back then. Georgetown, St. Mm-hmm. John's, Nova, and Marquette. All all team Marquette so had the had highest a, seed yeah. at eleven. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty good year for the conference. That's that's just nuts. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a damn good year for a conference. The second, the but, second highest is the um, ACC. I'm they gonna had, guess Big Ten. Oh, ACC. They, okay. They had nine in 2018. Okay. Um, Big well, Ten. Big Ten is fifth on the list. Big East has. Uh, we have eight minutes. Okay. We do have eight minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Let's um, quickly get into how deep is your love. Okay. 
quickly, this is what I'll say. Xavier, okay, obviously hurting without Zach Fremantle. Unfortunate that um, we're unable to um, – unfortunate that he is unable to rejoin the team at the end of the year. But I think Xavier's played long enough without him that him rejoining the team would have messed some of the things up, at least the adjustments that they had made. I think Xavier wins two games in the Big East tournament, makes it to the finals. They're a four seed in the NCAA tournament, and they make the second weekend. That's how I'm feeling about them. I think boom goes off. Nunji plays better. The thing you have to remember about Xavier, they haven't made the tournament in four years. Um, most of these guys don't have any tournament experience, which could also play into their favor because um, they have nothing to lose. Like, obviously, sure. they're... Less pressure. They... Honestly, truthfully, well, have nothing nothing yeah. to lose. They have a high seed, but that doesn't mean there's like an immense amount of pressure. Like obviously there's mm-hmm. pressure because all Xavier Xavier runs on basketball. But yeah. Um in some ways they have zero pressure. Like these guys getting their first opportunity, many of them are exhausting their eligibility. I think they play really well down the stretch. It's an exciting time in Cincinnati. Um I'll update you guys next week, depending on how the Big East tournament goes. See where my head's at. Yeah, but um, we will we will give a very special edition of how deep is your love next week. Okay, um, Matt, you go, and we'll also we got to talk about the core, quarterback carousel too next week. That'll be a quicker segment. But anyway, Michigan State, they're playing well, playing well. They're scoring yeah. well. They're shooting well. This is not a typical Tomizo team, but they do have an ace up their sleeve. And I wanted to mention it real quick. Every year we talk about Michigan State transition team, right? They get out and running. Mm-hmm. They have not done it this year. And the reason why is because when you see, watch watch the, the tape of Michigan State playing opponents, what will happen is you'll have one, maybe two guys going for offensive rebounds. And if they get one, they'll have three guys at, at half court and they'll run back into the play. Like their, their teams are so adamant about getting back into Michigan State. But recently, teams like Nebraska and Ohio State have had lapses. They haven't seen Michigan State run. So they stopped playing to Michigan State running, and Michigan State has started to pick up its transition game a little bit because they have opportunities. You've seen the last two seasons, right? Um, with the, the, what, the COVID year, we saw it last year. Michigan State ran well against, against, uh, against Davidson and Duke. <laughs> We're going to see it again this year, I think. Okay. Michigan State is going to get out and running in transition. Teams have not seen it all year. Teams have not been worried about it. Teams should be worried about it. But it's going to be the same thing where Michigan State, hey, we're going to get going in transition. This team, it's the the half-court offense has picked up. It's done better as the season's gone on. Mm -hmm. But we're going to start seeing this team running, which is going to be awesome. Now, to pick up quickly on Big Ten tournament expectations, Iowa's revenge game. That's I, yeah. If you we just get have Iowa, to be up by at least fifteen with a minute twenty <laughs> left, and then you're fine. Uh, we got to defend the three point line. Um, but if we get past Iowa, in my opinion, it's going to be Purdue. We've lost Purdue twice this year. Purdue again, sluggish coming into the tournament. Michigan State has played well. They're playing their best basketball at the right time. If Michigan State can, I mean do as much as they can to limit ed to less than 40 points 
Um, if, if he if he gets 30 points, just 30, if he gets 27 points, that is an absolute win for Michigan State. That is that is that is huge. Now the the players around them, you got to defend them well. Fletcher Lawyer has done well against Michigan State. Um, again, State's playing well at the right time. I think they can hit threes against Purdue. And then we get to hopefully we get to that championship game we get against Indiana or Northwestern. I think it's a good matchup for us. I think we'll have a lot of fans there. Good representation. And I hope that Michigan State can win this thing. It's again, three games you got to win. Yeah. But they have I shot. think they're absolutely winnable. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Um, and also- going in, if if we somehow win this championship, right? Which I'm last year, I wasn't, con- I was confident we'd beat Maryland and Wisconsin. Wasn't confident at all we get anywhere beyond that. This year, I am confident that we will get to the championship game and win it. Um, with that being said, if we win the championship, what seed will we be? I don't know, right? We're placed at that 7-6 line right now. Could we get to a 5? Maybe. Could we get to a 4? Not likely, but maybe, just depending on how teams do around there, right? Big range right now. Big range. Ba- basically, I think the realm of possibility is a 7 seed to a 4 seed. Do they get to a 4 seed if they win the whole thing? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, well, I do want to give this. We'll get into the matchups next week for Xavier Michigan State. But I also forgot about this. Yeah. I do want to give a shout out to some of, some of the Xavier players: Sule Boom, Big East All for or All Conference First Team. Yeah. Um Colby Jones was second team. Honorable mention: Jack Nunji, Desmond Claude All Freshman Team, and Jack Nunji, Big East Scholar Athlete of the Year with a three point nine seven grade point average. Dang, so, good for him. Yeah, good for none. Michigan State got Tyson Walker in their second team for the media and coaches. Um, AJ Hogar in the third team for the media. Honorable mention for coaches. Um, Joey Hauser got third team for the media. Honorable mention for coaches. And I think that's right. And then Jay Nakins won or is is an honorary. Uh, it's a uh, sportsmanship player of the year or whatever. I don't I don't know. I I can't remember the award, but. All right. Well, Another guy that's playing really well, well recently is Jaden. So, okay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Okay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to episode number twenty-three of the Quick Question Podcast. It was great catching up with you guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We will get this out sometime this week. Um, but for myself, Gabe Ryan, and my co-host Matt Shafty, we appreciate you guys supporting us and listening. And we will be back next week for an NCAA tournament preview plus the quarterback carousel. Thank you guys for joining us.